Vibrations Podcast, Part 23, Martin Molden. Hi, I'm Gary Brightman, and this is my weekly podcast called Vibrations. Established in 2018, Vibe is a book and music shop situated in Moi Wo on Lantau Island in Hong Kong. So what's been happening in the shop over the past week? Last Saturday, we hosted our second event of the year at Vibe. Patrick Dransfield gave a very engaging presentation on his new book, Tracks of Time, Moments of Transition, and also Photography in Beijing and China. You can view it on our YouTube channel, Live Vibe HK. And please subscribe if you want to see more events, interviews and podcasts from Vibe. Our next presentation will be on Saturday the 1st of May, with Martin Ludlow presenting on his new book, Porridge and Honey. Martin was the interviewee in our last podcast, episode 22. We're now accepting bookings for this event via email at vibehk at icloud.com. The event is also advertised on lantownetwork.com. We're continuing to clear out stock for free as part of our ongoing Vibe version 2.0 reboot. This week we're giving away books of varying genres, DVDs, CDs and VCDs, which can also make good bird scarers. I'm continuing to receive unsolicited donations of stock that I cannot sell and I'm stuck with to process. Please note that we are an independent book and music shop and not a charity or recycling shop. Next door is a recycling shop. If you want to make a donation of anything, then only I can approve it, not my team of staff. Thank you. The middle of May will be our third anniversary, which normally means a live tiny desk gig at the shop. Watch this space. And so to this week's interview. Martin Molden is a permanent expat. He grew up on a farm in what was originally southern Rhodesia, when it was part of the Federation of Rhodesia and Nyasaland in Central Africa. After leaving school at the end of 1970, he did his national service in 1971 and then went down to Durban in South Africa in 1972, where he spent his student years. After graduating, he returned to what was by now simply Rhodesia and went to work in the Ministry of Commerce and Industry as a secretary of the two committees. These committees allocated foreign exchange to businesses developing industrial and commercial projects. By 1977, with the Bush War in full swing, Martin could see by the virtue of his position at commerce and industry that the country was running out of money. So at the age of 25 and with thoughts of starting a family, he decided to leave Rhodesia and arrived in the UK in May 1977. He survived 17 years in the UK, eventually finding himself working in the then fledgling mobile phone industry. He went self-employed in 1994 and joined a small team that came to Hong Kong in January 1995 to write the licence application for what became Sunday. The success of that project led to other projects in East and South Asia where governments were issuing new mobile phone licences. Martin found living and working in Asia to be much closer to the entrepreneurial, self-reliant lifestyle that he grew up in and the decision to make Asia his home was an easy one. Today, 26 years later, Martin has his own web development agency on Lantau Island and is thoroughly enjoying life. So, welcome to Vibe, Martin. Thank you, Gary. Good to see you. Um, as we do, we'll start off with our 10 questions. What is your favourite book or author? Uh, favourite author would be Frederick Forsyth. Okay. And the reason is because, I don't know if you remember, but he was a Reuters uh, correspondent for a long time. He worked. He was based in Paris for a long time, then he was based in East Berlin. So he has an incredibly interesting background, and his books, his novels, are all incredibly well-researched. So there's a book that I read quite a while ago now called The Afghan, 
and the detail he goes into in the background into the background of Afghanistan and the, and the rise of the Taliban and all that kind of stuff in this book is absolutely fantastic. What's your favourite musical artist? Has to be Freddie Mercury. There's, uh, I mean, there are so many actually, but Freddie Mercury. The thing I remember about Freddie is is um, the day it was announced on the radio that he passed away from AIDS. I was actually driving from Brighton to Hartford, okay. and it's pretty much motorway all the way. And I had the cruise control on, doing 70 miles an hour, as we always did. And tears were just streaming down my face as, oh. as, as they played all these tributes to Freddie and, yeah. and the songs that he'd written and sang on, on the radio. Yes. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, so he's one, but there are so many others. Uh, Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn is a god. Preferred drink? Gin and tonic. Bombay tonic. Do you have a life motto? I, t- I remember somebody, oh, this was when I was uh, a student, um, they said to me, in, in your life, you'll have very many acquaintances, but only very few friends, so take care of them. Favourite Hong Kong walk? Wow, plenty of those. I used to do the, um, uh, the early sections of the Maclehose Trail years ago when I was living on, on, on Hong Kong Island. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> today, probably from here to Puyo, whether it's via Chima Wan or over the top, both are great walks and the views yeah. are fantastic. Favourite Hong Kong restaurant? There's a place, um, I don't know if it's still there actually, uh, between Maan Shan and Sai Kung, as you left Maan Shan on the right, there was a little clutch of restaurants there, and there was a one called the Sai Sha Cafe. And that was a, um, a, a combination of Indian and Thai food. And it was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely okay. loved it. We used to go up to Maan Shan, or, well, driving between Maan Shan and Sai Kung, it's, uh, yeah. it's very close to, to Maan Shan. So, faced with a python whilst walking up to the peak, what would you do? I'd want to first. I'd wonder how the python got there, but <laughs> I would give it an extremely wide berth. Yes. I am not. I, I'm. I. I know. One of the reasons I got your snake book the other day is because I just actually, when I go out to walk, I just, just like to know what I'm confronted with. Yes. But I don't like them. When I was in the army doing my national service, we had to go on a snake course, and. Um, uh. The, the course was held at a, at a snake park, I guess you'd call it. It was this huge pit, probably about twice the size or bigger, much bigger than the, than the floor area of this. Okay. And it was just full of all the different types of snakes that we had in Africa at the time. Oh, my God. And the, um, the instructor, the coach or whatever you'd like to call him, literally just jumped into this pit of, of, of snakes and he was walking around. He was, you know, there was a cobra there, there'd be a puff adder there, there'd be something else over there. Oh, my there. God. And I was, I was just horrified. I mean, because we were in the army, we had to go through this anyway. So depending upon what bit you, you had to know yes. what, 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 what way to what, what to do. Finish this sentence. I live in Hong Kong because because um, it's a very easy place to live. You yeah. can live, particularly here on Lantau. You can actually, you know, Hong Kong's always said to be such an expensive place but actually you can live here pretty economically yes um if you don't have to rent is always the biggest uh, the biggest killer yeah um but you can live here if you're in your own place you can live here re- you know, pretty cheaply really yeah so yeah i live here because it's easy to live here and, and the lifestyle we have here on lantau is fantastic what's your favorite area of hong kong two places that i really love are one is the top of sharps peak um, because the views from there are just absolutely stunning. And the other one... Just remind me where Sharps Peak is. It's in Cyclone Country Park. It's just off Section 3, I think it is, of the McElhose Trail. OK. So when you go, <clears throat> so you start in, on the McElhose, you start in, um, in Cyclone or wherever, and yeah. you, go, you get down to Dailong 1. OK. Uh, and then, uh, so I think it's Section 2. Section 2 goes from Dailong 1 to where the road crosses uh, before you go up to um, the road down to the pier. OK. Uh, so Sharp Speak is off, if you're going that way around, Sharp Speak is off to the right. 
Right. Okay. And it's right. It's one of the um, peaks, uh, one of the promontories out on, on on the east side of the of the territory. Okay. And um, <clears throat> it's quite an easy climb, uh, but when you get to the top there, wow! It's just like it's a fantastic view. What made you move to Hong Kong, and and when was that? I came to Hong Kong originally uh, as part of a small team to write the license application for what became Sunday and then subsequently became PCCW Mobile when PCCW bought it. So that was in January of 1995. Um, There were four of us on the team and we wrote this uh, very creative license application. It was, Sunday was originally owned by guys like, um, well the Disticom crew, Rick Siemens, Simon Murray was involved, all these you know old China hands who were all involved with Hutchison originally. Yeah. so we came to do that. Uh, we won the license and we were retained to do the in- initial rollout of the network. So designing the wireless network, doing the, I, I did the uh, customer operations, business processes and IT procedures and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So that was my sort of, sort of area. Yeah. Um, so we did that and on the strength of that we set up a small consultancy here in Hong Kong and then did projects throughout uh, East and South Asia. Right. So um, I worked in I think almost m- most countries in East Asia, I think not Laos and Cambodia I haven't worked in, but most yeah. of the others I've done projects in. God, how then, exciting. Yeah, uh, Myanmar, I spent nine months in Myanmar in 1999, and it's absolutely tragic to see what's going on say, there. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then also India, did lots of uh, circles okay. in India. So so it was it was a life in telecoms, basically, yeah. that, that brought you here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so. And, so, and you've been here ever since, 95. Any thoughts to whether you would ever leave Hong Kong? I look at it in two, well, I look at it in, in mainly one way. Is my life, is my personal life being affected? Um, yeah. And is, is uh, you know, is, is life living here difficult for me? And so far the answer is no. Tell us a bit about where you were born uh, okay. and where you lived your early life. Yeah, okay. I grew up in what was, in those days, was the Federation of Rhodesia and Nyasaland, okay. which was a British territory in Central Africa. Today, um, Nyasaland is Malawi, um, Northern Rhodesia, as it was then, is now Zambia, and of course, Southern Rhodesia is now Zimbabwe. Okay. So uh, my parents, um, in in the 1950, early 1950s, the British government was basically sponsoring people to go out and populate the territories, or populate the, the, the colonies. Yeah. Yeah. So they got, I think I'm right in saying, they got a free passage out. Okay. To, um, and I think they went by ship to Durban. I'm not sure, but I think they went by ship to Durban. So your parents are English, born yeah. in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they they anyway originally bought a thousand acres of completely virgin African bush wow. uh, in in what is today Rhodesia, near near a village called Glendale in the in the Mashonaland district. Right. And um, they basically made the bricks um, and built the barns, built the house, uh, and turned it into a farm. But I remember hearing I. Goodness knows how old I was, but I remembered hearing after they um, grew their first crop. My parents, by the way, my, my, uh, were both um, teachers. Right. Okay. When when they lived in England, uh, and of course, a teacher doesn't have a lot of experience at farming in Africa. No. And when the first crop, as as, as I recall, the first crop of maize that um, my parents grew, yeah. they planted the seeds. A double the spacing of what they should have been planted at, ah. so the crop yield was half of what it should have been. So, <laughs> so it was a pretty, it, it was a pretty sort of shaky start. Over the years that they were there, they they filmed a whole bunch of things. They started yeah. off with maize, as I was just talking about. They also had pigs at the time. Right. Um, <clears throat> over the years, they grew uh, cotton, tobacco, cattle. Talking about Matthew earlier, 
uh, he's got a picture of the brick pits in which we made the pits, or which they made the pits, really? the bricks, I should say. <laughs> um, and we had these uh, molds into which you put yes. the clay, and then we yeah. bake the clay in the kilns. And yeah. that was uh, that was how they did it. So you had an abundance of clay there. There was clay soil, was it? Very soil. So you had the that, materials. Yeah, the whole of um, not the whole Michonne, but the part of Michonne where we were is yeah. all red clay. Ah, okay. Which um, in the winter, in the dry season, bakes as hard as tarmac or concrete. It's just incredibly hard. Wow. Yeah. And in the summer, it's um, it's very pliable. Right. Uh, and. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, so we had to the, the brick pit included lots of water to yeah, to, yeah. to to, to that, and then making you know putting these bricks in the in yeah. the walls and so forth. And I guess they could design their own farmhouse then basically. They did. Yeah. They they designed it and yeah. built it and purposed yeah. it. Yeah. Any siblings? I have one younger brother who's uh, yeah, yeah he's two two and a half years younger than me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's uh, he's living in England. He um, stayed with farming. Okay. Generally, uh, after he finished his national service uh, and, and his university, he went back and he and he worked on a friend of my parents' farm for okay. a long time. And then when he went to live in the UK, uh, he there was a, a a family business there in in Essex, and he joined that. Okay. Um, he went through Sirencester to get his UK qualification, for yeah. the farming qualification, and he stayed with farming ever since then. He he actually moved some years ago now to um to a real estate part of that business right which um yeah which is what he's doing now at what age did you leave rhodesia i um i yeah i went through school national service university was in south africa yeah and i came came back from south africa in 1975 okay. and i went to work for you remember by this stage rhodesia was under international trade sanctions right um, because of the unilateral declaration of independence in 1965 Right. Um, so <clears throat> the, uh, the the trade sanction was going, but we were also in the middle of the Bush War um, because you had right. the Patriotic Front, you know, and Como and Mugabe were leading the two wings of the Patriotic Front, right? Which were the um, terrorists who were over part of overthrowing the Smith regime in, uh, yeah. at the time. So uh, I was I went to work when I got back for the Ministry of Commerce and Industry. Yeah. Um, Part of my uh, university time had been done on a Rhodesian government grant, right. and the quid pro quo was that I had to work for the government for the same number of years as I'd been okay. at, at university. So they put me in commerce and industry, which was interesting because it was the front line of the sanctions-busting effort at the time. Wow. Uh, so I was secretary to a couple of committees. One committee looked at industrial projects, and the other committee looked at commercial projects. Right. And the idea was that um, for, foreign exchange was very scarce at the time because of the of the sanctions. So uh, those committees reviewed applications from businesses for foreign exchange and okay. they had incredibly stiff criteria. I, it was basically, it was, well, one very simple, it had to be either import substitution or export generation. Uh, so wow. that was the simple part. The complicated part was that, that the alloc uh, allocation had to be repaid within a year. Right. And that, right. Was, that was pretty tough. Yeah. So, um, but they were doing it, and and yeah. I, I think I've um, I've said elsewhere, in one respect, unilateral declaration of independence and the international trade sanctions were the best thing that could possibly have happened to the Rhodesian economy. Yeah. Because it in gen it forced their economy to become virtually self-sufficient, with yeah. the exception of oil, where we didn't have oil, but in almost everything else, we were virtually self-sufficient, and we used to export food to um, surrounding countries. Right. So it was one, at one stage it was called the bread basket of Africa. Yeah. Because we used to export food to all the surrounding countries. It must have been quite 
frightening times to live there though yeah it was but it's one of those things that um when you're yeah. part of it you don't really realize yeah. that, it's, that it's developing in the way and that was the same there yeah um it came a point in time i mean it's in my role with cni i could uh see that the country had no money and we were yeah. the, the war was 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 building because yeah. both the soviet union and and china were funding the the two wings of the patriotic front yeah um we were struggling because uh, Angola and Mozambique, which had been Portuguese territories until 1974, went in, uh, went independent in that year. And that cut off two of our trade routes. So right. we only had the one trade route, which was down through South Africa across by a bridge. Okay. Um, and of course, the terrorists did everything they could to sever that rail route right. and sever the, the lines. So by that stage, yeah. Rhodesia was finding it um, very difficult to both export and import. Yeah. Um, goods because we really were surrounded with the exception of the southern route through South Africa. Okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, you know, looking at that and appreciating those and looking at the amount of currency that Rhodesia had, it was very obvious that we couldn't sustain the war. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. And I was 25 and I was thinking, would I like to start a family and bring a family up here? And I think there's really not much security, there's not much future. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I took, we, we used to call it at the time, we used to call it the chicken run. <laughs> okay. I, so I took the chicken run and left in 1977. Went went to the UK. Okay, and that's where you got into your IT yeah. career at some point, an IT telecoms yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, and then moved to Hong Kong. Yeah. Fast forwarding to today and the moment, um, the way you and I know each other. One Saturday afternoons in the shop, and also of late, you've designed a new website which is called. Lantown Network, yeah. and do you want to just tell us a little bit about what that site does and, and sure. why you saw the need to, to create one? Basically, the site is designed to support Lantown businesses because um, Neil, my colleague who, who's working on the site with me, um, he and I have both met many, many uh, you know, local Lantown businesses who produce fantastic products and services yeah. and get um, little exposure, get, don't, don't get half the exposure they need. Yes. So the idea was to, um, to, to give those local Lantown businesses the exposure they did, give them a, um, a, you know, a, a community, a base from which they can um, you know, promote, yeah. promote their businesses. So what we do is we have the platform and we create mini sites for each of these businesses okay um and they have they have two types of pages they've got a sort of main entry page which is a background of their business and and, and what they do and that kind of stuff so it's like the main page of a of a normal website yeah uh, and then there's a product catalog on that on that page uh and then each of the um products in the in the images in the product catalog click through to product detail pages okay where you can have galleries you can have videos yeah, but basically, you describe each product, its benefits, its you know, this, yeah. that, and the other thing, uh, and then there's a contact point. <clears throat> yeah. So we're not actually performing e-commerce transactions on the site. Okay. We decided to keep it simple so that we could grow the site in whichever direction our users wanted us to grow it. Yes. So yeah. we kept it simple. At the moment, people go to a product page on the site. Uh, they'll see, you know, contact us here or click this button to go to our website or click this button to go to yeah. our Amazon shop or, or, or something like that. Yeah, so, so it's like a gateway through then to their own. Exactly. We're, we're looking at ways now to 
provide something that's that's unique and, and quite different. Yeah. So we haven't got there yet. And as I said, we're starting very simple to, and then trying to find out which way our users want, to, want us to take it. But one of the ideas we're considering is uh, making every site that lists on the uh, on the uh, on the platform um, make them automatically a member. So we carry a membership component within the site. Okay. And then within that. Members get gets access to exclusive information. Now, this right. could be training information, coaching information. It could be, I don't know, special deals. It could be whatever they want. Yes. Um, so this is an idea that we're now exploring with people like yourself yeah, uh, sure. and others who are who are already on the site to see. Look, what what can we do? We have this platform. You're registered on the platform. What can we do that would make it unique and useful and special yeah. for you, yes, Mr. Business Owner, yeah, yes. or, or Mrs. Yes. Business Owner, whatever? Yeah, because there's a number of ways we could take it. I mean, we can do a membership site. We could do um, a commercially oriented uh, newsletter, um, yeah. which wouldn't be quite as exclusive because the benefit of a membership site is that you get you get information, but it's only for you. Yes, if you have a newsletter then you can send it to whoever you like. So the end, then the exclusivity is a little bit lost. We could start doing uh, e-commerce transactions. So yeah. quite reasonably large developments, which yes. is the way we do to go. Yeah. So we really want our users to tell us what they want, and then we will go in that direction. For want of a better pun, it's a one-stop shop, isn't it? Yeah. You know. So yeah. somebody comes in, uh, lantownnetwork.com, and then they've got all the directory of services there in front of them. Yeah, they've got the directory of businesses registered on site. They have, a, we've got an events listing. So any events that are happening anywhere on Lantau that people tell us about, or that we can find out about. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we, we list them on there and put as much information about that. So we've got that. And then we've got um, something called, which we call happenings, which is basically just little yeah. interview businesses who are registered on the, are registered on the site so <clears throat> we'll interview them um, we're already we've put up reports about the treasure island markets the db markets neil and chris have done a, a thing on tung chung fort and the various other things so we're putting um, our items of interest up there which, okay. which give uh, you know, yeah which people can can read about any plans for canto yes yes yep. absolutely so we'll have real human translations as opposed to google translate or anything like that yes yeah um yes we are probably in the next two or three weeks it depends when we finish really write, rewriting the front page yeah and we'll be able to boast t uh, two languages okay absolutely. traditional chinese and and English. The uh, the the um, domain is lantownetwork.com. Okay. All, all one word. There's a contact page. Just go to the contact page. Yeah. Very very simple form. Just fill it in and hit send. Okay. And we will get back to you within 24 hours. Even if you're not a registered business on the site, you can still register your event on the site. Um, if you go to the event okay. page. Um, there's a thing there that says if you wish to list an event please click here and that takes you through to a form and you fill in the form and I will put that event up on the site. Do you do anything in terms of optimization mm -hmm. in network engines? Yeah, one of the, this is one of the things that um, we're, 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 we're differentiating ourselves quite a lot from Facebook. Lots of people have got Facebook pay, uh, business pages. Yeah. But as you know with Facebook, some time ago, they took the view that on business pages, business page owners could expect their reach to decline unless they paid uh, for, right. for boosting posts. With um, with the network, uh, Lantau network platform, it actually works differently because we do do search engine optimization. So all of the pages that go up, yeah. all of your pages, for example, yesterday, I've optimized on the technical uh, search engine optimization on, on each of those pages. And as the search engines find those pages and index them, so actually your reach will expand. 
Okay. Because they, because they will appear more and more regularly in the yeah. again, in searches, in the search engines yeah. results. Um, it does. It does mean that, uh, and your pages are great because you've got a lot of content there. It does mean that we look for as much content on each individual product page as possible because the more content that you have there, the, the better the search engines will be able to recognize it and then return it in search results. Right. So yeah, we do all that. Um, we optimize for the search engines. Um, mobile, 78% of the visitors to the site are on mobile. The site <laughs> is designed for that and we optimize the um, pages for presentation on mobile better because it comes out as a, a as a vertical stream so you can just flick through. Flick down. So yeah, we do the yeah. search engine optimization and we do optimization for, for mobile. Okay. On each page. So you guys are IT network, um, IT skill savvy guys. So you have all that yeah. skill set behind you. Because I think that's often what we all find as businesses here. We tend to, all of us have Facebook, uh, presence. Mm -hmm. um, Facebook is reasonably hit and miss, as you say earlier. Um, if you're not paying money to Facebook, then you're not necess necessarily coming up um, mm -hmm. very often. In the individual product pages, where we put the, the place to contact us at the bottom, yeah. if somebody wants us to send visitors to their Facebook page, absolutely no problem. Yeah. We just put the link to their Facebook page and, and yeah, that's, what, that's where visitors will go. Yeah. So this is complimentary to Facebook rather than yeah. know, trying, to, trying to replace it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and in fact, but, it's complimentary to all of the current whatever the people are using I guess because you can put their email address on there you yeah. can put their Facebook address on there you can put their Instagram Absolutely. on there um, and, and their phone numbers WhatsApp whatever uh, yeah. if that's what they wish to advertise yeah. I think where we're trying to differentiate ourselves is what I was talking about earlier is what what unique information or what unique service do our people who register want yeah to, Back to we were talking about the membership site. Yeah. If we set if we set everybody up as a member, what could we give you within the membership site, which is exclusive to members? Yeah. Which you can't get anywhere else. Right. And what would be right. what would be really useful? Would you you know it doesn't matter whether we could we can give you search engine optimization courses if you want to. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And how um, to use how to use yes exactly and how to structure your Instagram posts to you know get as as many followers and and, and views yeah. as possible. So yeah. All that stuff we can do, and yeah. it would be in as part of the membership site, um, and it would be exclusive to those the, the, those uh, businesses yeah. registered on the site. So that's what we're trying to, and that's what we need the feedback to yeah. know what do people want so that we yes. can actually present that to them. You know, and something that perhaps listeners get out of this podcast is that you guys are here, you, you're based in Moiwo, mm. you're local, you mm. offer this service, and uh, you know, it may be that people People can contact you through this Lantown Network yeah. site yeah. and maybe they can ask you other questions oh, sure. which aren't about, I want to be on your Lantown Network directory, yeah. but they may be about, I've already running this business and nobody knows I'm there yeah, sure. type of thing. Yeah, well my day job is, uh, is my WordPress agency. Um, yes. That's, uh, the, the, uh, Able Dragon has been set up since 2009. That's right. So, so Able Dragon. Yeah. Yes. Or AbleDragonMarketing.com. Well, actually, AbleDragon.com gets there as well. Yes. Uh, so that's that's my day job. Just finally, I mean, so so far, Lantown Network's been going, I think, what, a few weeks? Six weeks. Six that's weeks. Six, yeah. and, and what sort of businesses are already on there? Oh, we've got actually quite a nice range. We've got the, the kitchen cheese shop. Yes, um, the kitchen cheese shop. Now, I learned from you that Mark, who we all know in the kitchen that we know that does great food, 
also sell cheese. Yes. <laughs> yes exactly. You know, so there's, yeah. there's, there's something good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting because we talk about giving, uh, giving businesses a mini site. Yeah. Mark's mini site has 26 pages. So that's, that's wow. a reasonably large mini site. Good on him. So we've got uh, the cheese shop. We've got um, uh, Littlefield Bakery over in Changsha. Okay. Um, we have uh, Oneness Holistic Workshop, which is um, aromatherapy and burn therapy. Okay. Um, she's up in uh, Paknanghung. We've got you. We've yes. got Vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got... Um, you got the carpet cleaning guys, we've Rob. We've got, yes, uh, Echo. Um, Rob. Echo, yeah. yeah. Echo Cleanse, Rob. Yeah. And we've got uh, Hill, Hillian Sue, who is kite surfing instructor. Oh, um, okay. she was she was the Asian kite surfing champion, I think, a few years ago. I can't remember. Don't the, I can't remember the exact story. Um, but yes, yeah, so she's on there. So yes. Um, and then um, I'm immediately after this, I'm going down to see the humble room. The people at the humble room, they they they're not on there yet, but they've reserved two slots actually because they have the humble room, and then they have the um, allotments, uh, little farm allotments over there just by okay. Tong. Oh right, yes, yes. Um, so they do they do yeah. that. Uh, yeah, that's that's who we've got at the moment. There's yeah, a, uh, a few a few people have um, written and said, "Can you know what do we have to do?" And I've told them what they have to do. Yeah, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So we're waiting for some more, you know, yeah. for more inputs to come in. Yeah. So, so it's yeah. building um, reasonably steadily, and it's starting to become, um, you know, a sort of a back in the old days in the UK, you'd have a Yellow Pages or whatever. You'd have a, a Thompson Local or whatever, mm. some sort of local directory that told people yeah. new people because um, i think now we're getting increasingly new people moving to Lantau. i mm, think this yeah. would be um yeah but a, a very useful source for them to find out what's happening and yeah and where to go and on what basis people are operating yeah absolutely yeah yeah that just remains for me to say martin molden thank you very much for coming to vibe my great pleasure and thank you for having me you can listen to all our podcasts published at soundcloud under gauss or on youtube under live at vibe hk or follow the links from my website at vibehk.com finally a reminder that vibe is open seven days a week every day of the year from 12 noon until approximately 6 30 pm well that's it for another week thanks for listening to the 23rd vibe book and music shop podcast called vibrations i'm gary brightman you get my vibe can you imagine what this old island must have looked like to those dutch sailors when they first saw it A dream of a new world. They must have held their breath. Afraid it would disappear before they could touch it.